Retro Anime. How did we find it? How does it hold up? Unpacking the ins and outs of being an old school nerd, and proving that 80s kids can't remember a damn thing right. These are the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd. Welcome to Mindless Midlife Musings of the Anime Nerd. I'm Rick, and I'm joined by the rest of our panel, Vic, Brian, and Lynette. How's it going, everyone? What I do? Awesome. Today we're talking about young love, music, oh, and humans in transforming jets fighting against an army of giant alien clones. You know, typical love story stuff. Uh, today we're talking about Super Dimension Fortress Macross. Uh, Super Dimension Fortress Macross is an anime television series from 1982. The show was created by Studio Nue from an original concept by newcomer member Shoji Kawamori. It was released on October 3rd, 1982 and ran through June 26th of 1983. Uh, and you can't really talk about Macross without talking about Robotech. Especially here in the West, those two series are... In, inter intertwined uh, in lockstep. I noticed that you did not go with synonymous because that would have been like... No, yeah. Synonymous is definitely a misnomer. It, they are uh, the bastard cousins? I don't know. Uh, it's, it's... So anybody in the West that is a hardcore Macross fan generally has a love-hate relationship with Robotech. Uh, for most of us, Robotech is how we first came to the series. Uh, I know it's how I came to the series. Vic, Brian, same okay. for you. Robotech is a a version of Macross. Um, so what happened was when Studio Nui came up with the idea for Super Dimension Fortress Macross, they needed funding. So they went to uh, Big West, an advertising company who was looking to get into animation and have some stake in it. And they said, all right, we'll fund you. So they funded Macross, but they... Yeah, budget constraints. They wanted to pare it down to about 27 episodes, meaning the show would have ended with the battle against uh, Buddle's Air's fleet. Big, huge, epic episode. And in the series, it kind of happens pretty much in the middle of the whole damn thing. Uh, even then, Big West found that the show was running a little more expensive than they had bargained for. So to secure more money to be able to make the series, they entered into a partnership with animation studio Tatsunoko. Uh, I don't want to get too much into this. A lot of legalese here, but uh, Tatsunoko, in their joining, they got international distribution rights to the series. So then they took that series and they sold it to Harmony Gold. Well, they licensed it to Harmony Gold here in America. All right. So Harmony Gold decided, all right, we want to make this. We're going to translate it. We're going to put it out there. Except when they wanted to do that, no network would syndicate the show unless it had 65 episodes. Now, Super Dimension Fortress Macross is only 36 episodes, so their hands were tied, and Harmony Gold had no choice. They could either not put it on TV, which is the worst idea, or they could just try for a home video market, which would probably have killed it. So instead, they took two other series that were completely unrelated, Super Dimension Cavalry Southern Cross and Genesis Climber Mosfita, rewrote the two series to try and make them fit into the Macross storyline, to create a larger, overreaching, generational story. And then they called it Robotech. This gave them enough episodes to release the series in the United States. And to say it was a hit would, would be underselling it. It was a big deal, especially in 1985 when it came out. I, that's when I first saw it. 
you know, my first question to you, sir, yeah. is as you're saying this, I, I hear thousands of Macross fans just cheering on your description of what happened. And I hear some profanity being thrown around like, fuck yeah, that's what yeah. shit happened. Fuck that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, a lot of anime fans, especially those in, in our age group, grew up with Robotech only to find out that, you know, Macross was a thing and we never got any more of it until we got like a little bit snuck through Macross Plus, Macross 2. But there's been so many subsequent series and none of it came to the States. And that's all because Harmony Gold uh, asserts that it had exclusive rights to the distribution of Macross, like just in general. So it started sending cease and desist letters and, you know, least, you know, legal actions and all this stuff to bar anything with the Macross title from coming to the States or anywhere outside of Japan. And they held on to that for like dear life. I mean, that's right. literally the only thing that they've been profiting off of. This made it very difficult to be a fan of this series, this franchise, anywhere but in Japan. And, and Big West, the advertising company that has a controlling stake in the series, obviously they gave no shits. They're just like, we're going to keep making it. Oh, well. And they did to a great deal of success. As I meanwhile, Americans and anybody, South America, North America, anybody outside of Japan, uh, we had Robotech. And that's what we had. The good news is, is that for the most part, Super Dimension Fortress, Macross, and Robotech are basically the same, same story. Uh, they didn't rewrite too much of it, just little bits that they needed to lay seed work for the remaining two series that they did do more heavy rewrites then, are on. Sorry, two questions. God, please. This, yeah. First statement is this. So for the purpose of this podcast, we are going to state, make the statement that we only reviewed the original 36 episodes. Right. We're talking today about Super Dimension Fortress Macross, not Robotech. But we can't talk about Macross without talking about Robotech because Robotech was our gateway drug to it. You know what I mean? Essentially just the first part of Robotech, the first third of Robotech. First third of Robotech. So in 1980, it was 1980 something. I remember for me, the first time finding this series, I was in second grade. We were living in, in uh, Alabama. We were stationed there. And uh, I was down at a park. I, for some reason, I remember this. And you remember stupid things when you're a kid. I was down at a park, and this kid I was playing with had a big brother. And the big brother had Jetfire, the toy Jetfire from Transformers. And he had it next to another thing that looked kind of like a battleship, but it was big and it transformed. And I'm like, well, what Transformer is that? And he told me, no, that's the SDF-1. And I'm like, well... Why is he, why you have it with Jetfire? And he was explaining to me, well, that's not Jetfire. That's actually a Veritech. And I'm no idea what the hell he was talking about. So he explained to me that it was from Robotech. So uh, that's when I found out it existed. And that's when I started watching it. So for me, it was through toys. <laughs> Sir, I, be I begin to, I always believe that you live the term life. And. <laughs> I'll even go so far to say you are you're a unicorn because you were able to find Japanese anime in 80s Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> let's not let's not let's not uh pretend that the amount right. of things that had to happen to even get you to the point <laughs> where you were talking about a Veritech. 
not Transformers, which That's is right. American gold right there. <laughs> Somebody, I, I presume, who still had all their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, we were on a military base, so, you know, government dental. Okay. Um, Alabama. <laughs> Alabama. Goddamn. Yeah, so it was it was how I found Robotech. And so I watched Robotech and um and that's that was that was Macross for me until until it, it, later when I finally found out what it was through magazine publications because the internet was not a thing and then come to find out that you could there were so <laughs> sorry I'm getting a little distracted. So at the time and I know this is a lot of history but I the history of Macross is very rich, so it's worth discussing. Harmony Golds decided to actually sell VHS tapes of Macross. They just called it Robotech Perfect Collection. And and it was subtitled versions of Macross on VHS. They were so hard to find and ridiculously overpriced that you I'd never ever saw a completed collection in my life. But I did manage to get a couple episodes of it, and that was my first experience ever watching it. It was sometime in the 90s uh, when I started finding those VHS tapes, and I only had like two or three of them. So it wasn't until the advent of of bootlegging that I was able to finally watch the entire series until ADV and Animago both finally released it on DVD. And that was the mid-2000s, 2005, I think it was. So it took a very long time to be able to watch this series in its original language in its complete, you know, presentation. You know, they make the meme that do you realize that in um, eight years, the 80s would have been 50 years ago? Oh, I wish hell. you didn't say that. I hate you for that. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's important to understand yeah. how deep our love for vintage anime goes that we're talking about Something that came out in 82. Yep. Literally 40 years ago. <laughs> yes. As of this, the release of this episode coincides with the 40th anniversary of the original air date of the first episode in Japan. So, Ooh. yeah, 40 freaking years. Man, we didn't, we didn't have facial hair. There was no <laughs> pubic hair. Dude, we didn't yep. even. And I love the statement that you said that. As opposed to the whole journey with Macross, we started in the 90s with it. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm sorry, Vic, you started in the well, 70s. My bad. <laughs> if, you, he means, if you think about it, it was Macross. in the 80s with two episodes. That's a level of dedication that, <laughs> that you have. I have to stop and pause that. I mean... How many people can say that they have seen two VHS worths of video of a, a series and been so It didn't even start with that. His love didn't even the, start with that. Started with the, asking a, a guy what this thing was and getting it explained yeah. and then watching it and then getting two VHS and then going, yeah. you know what? I am so dedicated to this thing that I am going to keep doing it. I don't know how many yeah. people can see. <laughs> I have forgotten yeah. anime after watching two VHS things because I'm like, I right. can't get any more. So I'm done. And, and it's, I mean, <laughs> so for me, <laughs> I appreciate that. But it's like, for me, it was, Robotech was was enough, right? There was, there's a time in the 80s, in, in maybe the early 90s, where Robotech was fine. I just wanted more of it. 
So if it was going to be more more uh, Macross as versioned by, by Robotech, by Harmony Gold, I was fine with that. I just wanted more Macross. I didn't care what name they put on it. I just wanted to see more of it. So then you realize you've been lied to. Yeah, yeah. And then I realized what we were dealing with. And then I, I started to really resent Harmony Gold's grip on it and, and Tatsunoko for licensing, licensing it to them in the first place on such shoddy ass contract language. Anyway, so Robotech. When more Robotech actually did come out, it was horrible. It was, yes. Because the Harmony Gold creative team, for better or worse, were incapable of capturing the magic that was captured in the original three series, the original two series, the one in the middle. Eh. So, uh, yes. Quick question. Except for the, you know, vocal yeah. 3%. A nerdy Sorry, question. what's up? The Macross people battle the Robotech people like the second gen versus the original Star Trek? Nope. Never happens. They don't battle each other like that? Never no? happens. Okay. So, in, um, because that would require an animation that would require like the, you know so they they weren't doing they that they were just recycling the people <laughs> macross people pity the robotech people and they oh. wait to convert them and say you're watching shit let me give you the real the real co cocaine it's kind of like that yeah so that you guys convert them to so yes with the thing with with uh super dimension fortress macross is that it's the best of the three. The three series that, that Harmony Gold bought and converted to Robotech, Macross was the best, and Ma and they knew it. Harmony Gold knew what they were doing. They, they wanted to get Macross out there. They had no choice but to pack on more stuff to get Macross out there. So, so which, are the three, which are the three stories? So there's, there's Macross, Super Dimension Fortress, Macross, and then the second generation is Super Dimension Cavalry Southern Cross. Which we don't discuss. Right, and then the third, it's Bruno, we don't talk about it. And then the third one is Genesis Climber Mospita. And those two other series are f nowhere near as good. And Harmony Gold knows this, because they, everything they make, everything they market is Macross. You don't see a whole lot of hover tank toys out there for a reason. So I think it's important to talk about uh, the other aspect of the anime nerd, and that's role-playing games. Sure. How did Absolutely. how did so Palladium? Yes, was the one that was responsible for Robotech. Yes, Palladium. Not only was Robotech, they were also <laughs> responsible for uh, Ninja Turtles, which is how me and Vic met each other. Yes, yeah, role playing Ninja you Turtles. Started role playing Ninja Turtles yep. over in Campbell Drive Elementary, middle, <laughs> middle, 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 so, middle. Yeah. What was the name of our damn mascot? <laughs> it was the Wildcats. The Wildcats. I'll go say the, the retarded warriors, but sure, Wildcats sounds better. That's, that was definitely it. Uh, yeah, you're right. Palladium did a series of role-playing game books for Robotech, and then they also got the license to Macross 2, separate from Harmony Gold's license. So they right. released books for Macross 2, that were the same role-playing game system as Robotech. So you could literally put those together and just keep playing Macross. Uh, it was very clever. That is actually how I fell in love with Robotech was because of the Palladium games. And sure. I, I I, learned, I, re, I, re, I don't know if y'all remember this story, but we were role-playing that one time and uh, I kept on dying 
Because <laughs> I kept on getting ones. <laughs> the dice were not in your favor that day. At all. At all. <laughs> but I remember that we were role playing and we had actually gotten into Macross 2. Mm-hmm. We were in there. But then we also were doing a little bit of the Invid Wars. Sure. Right? Absolutely. Because who doesn't love the Cyclone bikes, man? Those things are The fantastic. Cyclone. Yeah. Everything over that we're talking about right now has nothing to do with Macross. Nothing. <laughs> Not at all. But it's it is that's the gateway. That's how much we were into it. Was that we were role playing it because there was nothing else to watch. We we're just like we're going to make our own sequels here. And that's kind of how we ended up doing it. Not to be young and have an imagination. <laughs> I feel so good about making that statement because in my mind I always visioned how good Max was. Yeah. Right. Because I never really got a chance to see it. Uh, Max is a fucking beast. Max is, yeah. Max Max is, oh, the dude has a rep for a reason. So let's let's dig a little deeper now. We've we've talked about history. Let's get into this. So uh, Super Dimension Fortress Macross takes, it starts in 1999 when an alien spaceship crashes into an island, South Ataria Island in the South Pacific, and suddenly uh, humankind discovers we are not alone in the universe, and they've got really big guns. World War Three or four, or however many world wars they decided, basically unification wars start, and they, uh, they end as the ship is being built and completed. A United Earth government is formed, and the, the UN decides to restore this ship because they know if something that big crashed, more's gonna come. There's gotta be more. Right. And then it jumps forward to 2009, 10 years later, when the unveiling of the Super Dimension Fortress Macross or the SDF-1 is, uh, it's it's big unveiling. So, uh, the first episode is that. Yeah. I was, um, I also have a confession. Our first episode Mm-hmm. I will give you the story about the guy who was singing Mospieta. <laughs> yes, that guy. I remember him. I re- oh, yeah, in our second episode. Right. Was I good. was wrong. Yeah. He was singing Macross. Oh, well, I mean. <sighs> Yo. Yeah. Yo, I sat down and I was listening and I was, I was saying parts of it before <laughs> it got to it. Like when he was saying, Macross, Macross, yep. <laughs> I'm like, Macross. <laughs> yeah, no, there's that, and the and the dude whose name I I can't pronounce, nor will I try. He sings the hell out of that song. And oh, he goes in. He sings it like if his life depended on it. It's I I love that song for just because it's it's so. So everything about uh, we've talked about it in the past how everything happens in Japan. It's almost a decade after it happens in America. And and for Macross, I feel like that's very true. This is 1982, but everything in it is so 70s. The hairstyles, the uniforms are very like the bell bottoms and the kind of, and the music is so exactly. And you're just like, oh shit. Like we are hard into this. Um, yeah, I felt like it was Tom Jones going <laughs> to town. Yes, right. And... 
So you probably had to thrown everything while he was singing. Uh, man, I I just I loved it. So the first time I saw it, I didn't. The first time I saw it in Japanese, I was like, "What the fuck is this? Where's the epic instrumental score opening from Robotech? You know, Upio Minucci like just bombastic." And and it took a few watchings for me to go. You know what? No, this song is banger. Fuck anybody who says otherwise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I have to say, it sounds amazing on my bows. Like when I play yeah. on my bows. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I have it on a seven-inch vinyl. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So subsequent viewings made me made me like the song more and more. And actually, the the whole soundtrack um, to speak of it is everything about it is very seventies-ish, like late seventies-ish in its vibe, and it's great. It's it's really great. But that's music is such an important part of this story that i don't want to undercut it and not talk about it so we'll, we'll come back to the music on this but i, I do want to get through a couple episodes here and that's um we we came up with a, a master list of episodes that we felt like we should watch uh for those of us who hadn't seen the oh. entire series oh. and and one oh. two and three were, were key watching because one two and three are, are the setup and one two and three sells it and if you've watched those then then you're you're ready like it hasn't sold you by episode three i don't know what to tell you you just shouldn't be watching the series um, <laughs> so episode one is the the grand reveal the grand uh, the inauguration of the the sdf one and it's it's launch and uh of course they it takes that long for the Zentradi alien forces to find where the ship crashed. And they show up and they're like, where's the ship? And they look and they're like, oh shit, there's the ship. Yeah, it looks a little weird. What the fuck's going on? And all of a sudden the ship's alert systems kick on and the ship opens fire without anybody giving any reason. The ship's just like, nope, fuck you. And just mass tears a hole through the fucking island and just obliterates the aliens. And uh, it sets the stage. We shot first. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, I, I have to admit that this is the first anime where they have no problems letting you know that people have been cremated. <laughs> yeah. By people, yeah. People have been just flat out incinerated. Yeah. Hey, Jeff. If you lived in the front of the bow of this ship, you were done. <laughs> you yeah. didn't get past episode one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it it eradicates the ship and, and the Zentradi forces are just left aghast like, well, shit. <laughs> so they unleash hell. More help. <laughs> yeah, they, they, unle they unleash hell as only the Zentradi can. And uh, and we are at war. Good job, UN. <laughs> we shot first. You figure no one would have programmed a failsafe to emergency shut off power to that? Right. <laughs> I'm it's just... charging. Quit. Shut it off. Okay, done. Do you think that um that that is a indictment on 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 the times of the eighties? So I think that everything about this series is a criticism of of many other things, and I I do think that that us shooting first is them is a is a just a comment on the human condition. Of course we shot first. Aliens in the sky, fucking kill them. Like it's just, we didn't have a choice in the matter. The ship was a supervision army ship, which is a whole other thing. But 
it shot first, we didn't have a choice, and of course, humans, being the idiots that we are, we restored this ship, but we didn't fully understand it. But we were gonna launch it anyway. We had this ship, we had no idea that this system even existed, but we were just gonna launch it into space today. Like, what yeah, the we, hell? It's been here just, for 10 years, you know, we fought a war over it. It's good enough, let's go. Now. Like, like how, how, did, how did that order, like that, that, that file subsection folder, when they input all the computers, Right. So humans can be able to operate this. They didn't <laughs> see that whole protocol for alien device. Somebody missed that code. Somebody missed that code, you know. That line of code. <laughs> Someone's online translator was actually quite off that day. Yeah, the, 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 the binary that said kaboom. Said protection. That's all it said. Protection. And everybody's like, we can yeah. always use protection. Right. That's, cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it said was protection. <laughs> I, I this so this series it um now remember this is 1985 when I started watching this this series had a lot of firsts for animation a lot this is a television syndication it's, you know in the mornings before school we'd catch this and it had a lot of firsts it had a lot of things that you weren't used to seeing on television especially as a kid in elementary school uh it had women in charge right uh, Misa is running shit Gunsight one. Who do you go to? You go to Misa and you go to Claudia. You got to get shit done. The entire bridge populated with high-ranking uh, female officials. And and the, and a captain who shows up when he shows up. God love him. Uh, <laughs> in a cigar. And, and, they're, and they're just... Right, right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A pipe. No smoking on the bridge, damn it. So it was kind of cool to to see these characters, to see these, and, and to reflect on it now as an adult and go, wow, you know, it's it's very interesting because like other shows that were militaristic, G.I. Joe, uh, you know, things like that, they, those, the female characters were secondary. The female characters were a part of the series, but they weren't like in charge. It was like Duke. Token. Yeah, Token, yeah, Token. <laughs> and they're always white women. It was a Token white yeah, and, woman. And, and, and it's she, funny, that's another show that, you know, everyone shot at each other with lasers, yet no one died. Right. Oh, not in this one. And that's, oh, no. let's, let's dig into this. I, I, there's another thing that this series does that no other series did in the 80s. And it was... At least not for us out here. It brought mortality to the forefront. And it was, it wasn't animation, animated for, uh, animated mortality. It wasn't a comic book hero dying and then coming back the next episode. It wasn't Superman beaten, beaten to death by Doomsday and then two episodes, two comic books later, there's fucking five of them. This, when somebody died, they were fucking dead. And it wasn't a little dead. They were really dead. They were all dead. So... Not just a little dead, but they were dead dead. Yeah, it's, yes, especially, and I mean, not, it takes a lot of episodes to get there, but... Episode 18, Pineapple Salad. Oh, uh, uh, oh, you you motherfuckers. It's gut-wrenching, right? All right, so I know we were going to oh. try and go in order, and I'm sorry, Brian, but it's it, we had to jump to this. It's important to talk about because of the history of the series. A main character gets killed 18 episodes in, and you're very invested in this character. You've been with him for 18 episodes. Hold on. I'm trying to Lynette, figure out you... why they named him Fokker. That was one of the things that I was like, I was like, why are you, why are you naming this cool guy Fokker? And, <laughs> and then pineapple salad. I'm going, is this a kink thing? I hope this is not a kink thing. Because 
This is going to be very weird if it's a kink thing on episode 18. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually a pineapple with <clears throat> salad. I, I, it's. So basically, he tossed a pineapple salad. <laughs> thus, okay, thus so jinxing I have one pineapple. Thing, I have one thing that I, that kind of made me mad. Sure going through his dumb head when he decided I got shot up in the back I'm gonna go home and play the guitar <laughs> right so that a is lot of questions that has been argued online for decades decades so I'll tell you my head canon on this so episode 18 uh commander fucker and and the rest of vermilion squadron are out fighting a battle against the worst enemy you could possibly fight and that's the females and trotty the male trotty warriors they're the badasses don't fuck with them and Max, God bless him, is doing what he does and just fucking shit up because he's awesome. And and Foker, not to be taken lightly, fantastic pilot, <clears throat> gets shot. Even when drunk. Even when drunk, yes. Uh, he gets shot up and lands. Now, my headcanon is he knew he was dying and he decided he would rather spend his last moments with the woman he loves than be stuck in a hospital bed, people cutting him up, trying to save him. That's my headcanon. And so he decided at that point, I could go to, to the medics who are gonna triage my ass and I'm dead, or I can go be with the woman I love. And he chose that. It's horrible, it's tragic. It fucked me up in second grade, watching a main character die and never come back. It wasn't like, oh man, he's messed up. He's gonna be okay. And the end of the episode is like, I'm sorry, he's dead. It's, what? Yeah, I, I actually missed the bus because I did not want to leave before finishing the episode. Yeah. So I got in actually I got in trouble and grounded because I missed the bus watching this episode because I was so invested in it and I was like just so shook. So my problem with that scene is this. We've already been established that the Zentradi are 50, 60 feet tall. Yep. Right. Um so they have their armaments scheduled for that tall that scale right so a bullet scale. is like a 50 cal right. <laughs> <laughs> where did get these pinpoint lasers from i hit the man three times and he was he did it just immediately incinerate where <laughs> yeah yeah you're not wrong all i can say is 80s anime physics i don't know man okay all right Look, I think have we have we made that a thing for us? Uh uh anime physics? I feel like it has to be. If anything, this series has a lot of that in it. Um Oh, which brought me back to number one. Let's do it. And then the bullet gets smaller. The further parts <laughs> are right. away, it shrinks. No matter how tall they are, because of the it gets smaller and the further it goes. It's atmosphere you know, it's friction. Kind of like, kind of like a little meteor <laughs> crashing through the atmosphere. It gets smaller and smaller. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's, that's, yeah, that's it. Let's go with that's it. That's in Trotty bullet physics. It will, by the time it hits a human, <laughs> it is a regular human size. It's a human bullet. <laughs> and if you're far away, far enough away, the bullet just completely disintegrates before it even hits you. <laughs> it tickles you. It's, it's, like going, you. it's like it's like shooting in water, right? Gucci Gucci go. So what you're saying is that if Roy were like a few hundred feet further out, he'd have been fine. Would have been right off the it would have been like BB gun, you know? Oh, so uh, the pew 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 is Gucci Gucci Goo. Fair enough. Right. All right. 
So what was your problem, Brian, with the anime physics so, in the early episodes? So this is, for me, I feel like this is where uh, Fast and Furious got their 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 penchant for just bullshit saying. <laughs> right? All right. So episode one. Yeah. Oh, this is probably episode two, actually. Where he, where he meets Min May for the first time. He meets Min May in, in episode one, sort of, but it, and, and episode one ends with him in a flat nose dive, completely fucked, and Misa's like, uh, have you tried configuration B? And he's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, lady. You bitched at me till I took off. I don't even know what the fuck this thing does. And then she's like, oh, shit. So hit the, hit the B on your console, and then he transforms into a 50-foot fucking robot and crash lands in the city, leveling six buildings. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Really, God knows how many. And then and technically, then he gets the be- up and dusts himself off. Yeah, it's like. Uh, so, beginning of episode two is when he like has more dialogue with Minmay. I guess it's more like their actual together like intro stuff. So they he has to eventually he has to save her and drive with her in a metal fist. Yes, <laughs> right, because he's he's he, honestly. Because Hikaru, God love him, is an idiot. He's, he picks this girl up in his metal fists, and he's in flying. And he's flying Fly. at, I don't know what, Mach 1. Uh, a couple hundred right, miles right, right. an hour. With her face. Not for <laughs> this. Hair going back. Not, not knowing how many damn bugs. <laughs> or debris. Or anything that just hit her in the face. Yes. This entire time, he's he stops and she's like caked with dead mosquitoes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was happening is he eventually they take off, so now he's yeah. flying oh, in yeah. the air, like like take uh, hundreds of feet in the air easily. Thousands, with a girl, feet. still in the metal fist. <laughs> you know that only for only for the hand to get blown off. And hard to start falling towards the earth. Yes. And then he realizes, he, I could have put her in the cockpit the whole time. He actually said it before he took off. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. And then it's the zoops flying down yep. mm-hmm. to open up the cockpit to grab her, to put her back in the, in the back seat. Him almost lift out. That right there is where the Fast and Furious gets all of its ridiculous saves from. What, no, well, what about shoving the, the, the um, what is it, the, the napkin or whatever, the towel into the window because it's leaking air? We're Stops in the it. middle of space. It's okay. Stops it fine. Just, let's just put a just little scarf in there. Scarf. You know, no problem. Plug the hole real quick. Yeah. We're just like, we're good. Yeah, I mean, anime, anime physics right that's and that's all you can do t- and rule of cool right you gotta admit it looked cool as shit when they're when he's diving to get her and the cockpit's opening and he's reaching out very dramatic uh, but yeah she she snap off <laughs> so yeah it's what are you gonna do uh episode two three, and three episode three space fold oh man space fold uh, i have i have issues with space fold actually i just let me back up i have issues with captain uh global in general uh-huh. Uh, he's pretty bad at his job. Um, <laughs> uh, it, uh, I love how those people in that first, we have not, before we 
rag on Captain Global. Let's talk about the worst mustache ever known to man. <laughs> oh, you mean the little the mayor the with his little wannabe Fu Manchu? Yes, the mayor with his little tiny yeah. nibs on the ends of his lips. <laughs> Alright, so here's what happened. The bad idea comes in from little mustache man. Yeah, and the mayor Captain is, Global. You should take off. He's like, uh, the fuck? And he's like, no, get out of here. <laughs> and, and But then they say, they always do this thing where they are able to analyze why the bad idea is bad, and then they still go ahead and do it. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> of course. Like, so he says, uh, mustache guy on the way out, he says, you just leave the uh, negotiations to the politicians. And then Global, as he walks out, he says, they don't expect us to do anything. <laughs> what? <laughs> and he's like, well, we're going to go. Okay. The word I'm looking for is lawful order. That's not <laughs> it. <laughs> to, say, to say that, uh, I mean, to the credit of these Japanese writers, they tried their damnedest, but... Military strategy is not the highest thing on their list of knowledge base. So they did the best they could with what they had as far as military strategy goes. And honestly, as a as a kid, you I was with Global the whole time. You know, it's only as an adult that I reanalyzed it and go, man, dude, you killed a lot of people. Like seriously. (laughs) Thing I was like, did you just take an island and put it in the middle of space? Not even yes. I mean, try and imagine, imagine that. If you were someone that was driving and half your family was outside of the fold and the rest of your family was inside the fold. Yes. <laughs> or just, I mean, you were, you were fucking dead anyway, right? But right? the and people. The little safety things and all of a sudden they're covered yeah. in ice. They're they're not alive anymore. He just killed an island. That's yeah, he, absolutely. He and, and, and the local flora and the local fauna, they're fucking dead. Like just everything. Didn't he do like the equivalence of like, oh, oops, after it happened? (laughs) Like, like, after it happened, like, everybody sees the island, and he was again, that's on me. That was on me. My bad, my bad, y'all. Yeah, it's like he flipped the fold switch, he's like, go in a side. Yeah, (laughs) it's on it. And again, this, this rolls back into. Nobody fully tested this fucking thing before they decided we're just gonna have a launch ceremony. Let's just do it. Yo, the thing that that tripped me out about it is at the end of the do y'all know the last thing that is said on that episode? No. The last thing that said is Captain Global's on the phone. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. He hangs up and he goes, um, so the space fold drive has uh, disappeared. <laughs> so that's. <laughs> I, I wanted to comment. One of the things about the series that I, I love is how fucked they are the entire thing. Yeah. The entire thing, they are punching above their class and, and they cannot catch a fucking break. They, no. 
They want they they're gonna have a launch ceremony. The ship fires for them. They have no control over it. They want to try and escape the space fold to take a whole fucking island with them. And then the space fold system fucking disappears. And then they're like, all right, fine. Well, we gotta fire the main gun again because they're attacking again. Oh yeah, no. When the space fold like took off, the connection between the gun that's gone. We don't have that anymore. And it's like. <laughs> Fuck, now what? Like, well, if we transform the ship, like, the ship can fucking transform? And they're like, well, oh, yeah, we can totally. So then the ship, then they can fire. Oh, but when we did that, we killed, like, a fuck ton of people because we crushed the city and the ship. Well, shit. Like, it just could not catch like, a goddamn break. Like, they are literally. And the whole time, like, Midnight and here, and everybody, they're in this little ship thing. He's like, where yeah. are we? I don't know where we're at. We're just going to be lost. I don't know. <laughs> they, they could not catch a break. This whole series is is characters just being fucked over by life and having no control over hey, it. Hey, about the ultimate you know, bad day. I'm going to call this MacGuffin Pet. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is Murphy's Law on steroids. That's what this is. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the Murphy's Law series. And honestly, this... So this sets up a whole lot of, uh, I want to say tropes, but a whole lot of cons- you know uh, similarities. Uh, th- talking points. The they call it tropes. They call up a bunch of tropes. This causes a lot of tropes that are carried into anime forever, ever since. Like, uh, Macross is the first time to do a lot of this stuff, and and it was a, uh, and it, 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 even in its own franchise, a lot of these things come back over and over and over again. One of them being. You know the the pineapple salad thing. Can't do pineapple. Pineapple as a fruit in general means a character is about to die. It's just kind of like a long running thing. It's always breaking and not working. There's just I kind of appreciate it though because in say in GI Joe, if Duke got a new laser gun, that laser gun just worked. Always. If Duke got a laser gun and he was in the Macross universe, that laser gun would have teleported him to the bottom of the ocean with a one air tank and a single flipper. And he had just been like, fuck, well, I guess I'll figure and, and this out. And the laser gun would have disappeared. He wouldn't even had a gun at that point. Or he just shot once, burned him in the face, and then ran away. <laughs> right, yeah. So just everything that, this, that could go wrong would go wrong in this series. And I and I appreciated that because it was, it was just, I don't know, for me, it was a sense of, like, guys, these guys have all the, the money and the technology of the world, and shit just keeps failing for them. And you know what? They keep going. Because that's, if anything, that's what this story is really about, is about humans persevering against just immeasurable odds. Not just the aliens, but fucking fate itself was trying to kill these people this entire series. And it just couldn't keep us down. But the whole thing is, what if we gave a whole cast of Lando Calrissians... <laughs> <laughs> a whole cast of Lando Calrissians, and we gave we're gonna make a whole show full of them. <laughs> Put them in the earth. I, I think I think the best summary watching the, all these episodes together, I would have to say Global Report was the best way to summarize what had happened in their life, what yeah. they're doing now, and what they plan to do in the future. It was just like we got punched in the face yesterday. Today we're Repeatedly. getting punched in the nuts. And then tomorrow we might get shot in the foot. <laughs> it's like we're gonna get shot in the foot while walking down was. the stairs. That's what I saw when I watched Global Report. I was like, "This is the captain just sitting here." I mean, he hits his head on the yeah. ceiling of the doorway every time. <laughs> it's I love that. T- you know, that's 
Little bits like that. This ship is built for 50-foot aliens, but they couldn't make a door six and a half feet high because Global kept fucking hitting his head on it every time. Every single I, thing. I mean, but yeah, like Global Report, I found that that was the funniest episode. I was just watching. I didn't want to laugh because it was very sad. Like there were sure. certain parts that it was talking about. Right. When I when I realized the summary, it was it was just this guy sitting down and going, yeah. I got punched in the face yesterday. <laughs> and then and then today a little girl just came and kicked me in the nuts. And then tomorrow I'm gonna go get shot in the foot. I mean it was it was yeah, a thirty it was a thirty minute bitch fit. Colonoscopy by a Centron. Right? Yeah, it was it was a thirty minute bitch fit. Uh but I it warranted and needed. So an interesting thing to note about the series is the rate at which it was done. So when it debuted on October 3rd in 1982, they had three episodes done and ready to go. That's it. So they were animating so fast that they had to get these episodes finished like a week or two before they aired. That's all you had. So there was no room for error. I knew I felt like I saw somebody, somebody had erased the line and redrew it. <laughs> There's all kinds of crazy way. shit. It would not have surprised me. So they shipped out and sent uh, a lot of this work to other animation studios, uh, like Gainix, AIC, uh, Anime Fiend, or Anime Friend, <laughs> Anime Fiend. That's that's a pun on purpose. Uh, lots of other studios had to do a lot of the work, so this, that's why a lot of the animation in this is inconsistent. That's and that's why they had. It, it, there are there are absolute episodes that look like absolute shit. All right, there's oh, the knife fight. Sometimes when Hayase looks like she's she's stoned, like yeah, the there's because eyes are all blurry, and then the next episode her eyes are fine, but then there are yeah you know. episodes that are terribly done. Uh, the knife Yo. fight between Max and Miria is horrible, but it's such an important like moment in their relationship, and it's it's horribly animated, and there's nothing. It's just they had no time. Uh, I I watched. Sorry, Brian, let me cut. No. I watched a, an interview with um with Marie Jima, who voiced Lin Min Mei in both the uh, the Japanese original and the uh, English version. And she was talking about how they would record an episode and then the next like week they would see that episode on the air. That's how fast turnaround was for this series. So there are, I think, two or three clip shows in this series where they just like, we're just going to take a shit ton of the old animation, put it back in with some new narration. That's an episode. They had to because they had to buy time mm. to stick to the release schedule. They had no choice. So it is surprisingly that's something that's actually still in play today. Is it? Yes. Every once in a while, an episode's not done in time. It skips a week. Sometimes it skips three. Sometimes it skips a season and a half. <laughs> oh shit! It's it's kind of wild uh, the animation industry, uh, it, but it certainly. Macross is definitely at the forefront of that with a lot of the problems they had. Um, they even lost an episode once, an entire episode. The whole reel got left on a train. Everybody like lost their shit. Uh, so they had to like take a day and everybody that worked for the studio had to go find it. And they like scoured the trains across Tokyo to try and find it. And they did end up finally finding it, saving them because they didn't have time to reanimate it. They were fucked. Mm -hmm. So that person got fired. Dude, can you just like imagine, right? Like I, I think of, I think like to think that I do well under pressure, but I, I do not know if I could work under those sort of circumstances. Mm. Like, listen, mm. this is coming okay, out guys, next you week. You know that all that work that you've been doing for the past few weeks, <coughs> it is gone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've only got a couple of days to find it. 
Hey, so we actually saw what how people react. We actually saw that in the first episode of Golden Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, first episode. Matter of fact, episode six. <laughs> you can see it there, there too. You go. Um, one of the things that this series does, in my opinion, extremely well, which is why I kept coming back to it and I keep watching it over and over again, is character development. A lot of these characters have arcs that are are complex and mature i mean if whenever i have to describe this series to somebody i i generally start looking depending on the person i either start with it's giant robots fighting giant aliens or i say it's a coming of age love story set against the backdrop of interstellar war and that's really what this series always is every single version in this franchise it's a love story masked in blood like it's just it's got this core love triangle with this just massive amounts of, of violence in it and oh, good music and it's that's part of its formula and the third part of that formula the third part of this triangle is their music the music in <laughs> the music in macross is essential to it because it is how we win it's essentially its own character and it is how we win every time right music is the defining factor in battle in this series every time and in the first series it works best in my opinion the first series super dimension fortress macross it's it's played as a culture shock you know these these aliens are giant clones they they know nothing but war they're soldiers right it's it's like they have no idea what cul what culture is they have no idea how intercourse works they have no idea of anything and and yeah, they're they don't exposed know they're exposed to this and it, it shakes them to their core. Some of them are fucking terrified of it. I have a note it, about that. Uh, go ahead. Um, so I was going to save this for my final thoughts about this. Yeah. But this whole thing is basically protoculture equals cooties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, so it's, it, it, you're right. They it, early on, this whole war boils down to men are from Mars and women are from Venus. This whole thing. <laughs> like, they're a whole culture. Brian, I now want a t-shirt that says, you know, protoculture is cooties. I said it made me wonder if this is where Vandred came from. Like, the, it's a very new place hey. where it was like men lived on one planet, women lived on another, and they just never met. I, and they battled each other. So obviously, like I said before, this this series inspired a lot of things. It inspired uh, sequels. What's funny is Macross was inspired by Gundam. They were like, oh, Gundam was a huge success. We want to make a Gundam-like series. So then they started doing one. And then subsequent Gundam seemed to have been inspired by Macross, as well as just massive amounts of other anime. Hollywood movies call on Macross for things now. Every time you see a missile trail in an action movie, you can thank Macross for it because nobody did that shit until Macross started doing the massive missile massacres. Or you just like a thousand, you know, cans of, of Budweiser with missile trails. Like you that's all up. Can the coke. <laughs> that's it. That's they threw a Mentos in that shit and it just went. So that's, ah! <laughs> that's how <laughs> that is how a lot of these things are inspired by this series. So to say that it had an indelible effect on animation and pop culture uh, throughout the last 40 years is to undersell it. It really had a huge effect on things, even if you didn't know it. 
Uh, and a lot of us in the West had no idea. Lynette, I don't think you'd ever seen this before we started making you. No, I mean, you said this was like 82. I was a year old. <laughs> right. Welcome to the party. <laughs> so, I, you, you know, know it's like it's 40 years old. I was like, wow, I'm one year older than this thing. To, That's it. to me, to me, this series is like, um, all right. So, uh, to put it in Western terms for people, Star Wars is huge, right? It had a huge effect on everybody, but Star Wars is an original. No offense to George Lucas and Star Wars no. denier, you know, caters can come on me. But Star Wars is based on a lot of other things, right? It's based on old samurai movies. It's based on Kurosawa films. It's based on John Carter stories from Edgar Rice Burroughs. It's based on a lot of these things. And those older stories, the Edgar Rice Burroughs tales, like, like John Carter of Mars, those are the OG. And, and so much stuff is based on that material that doesn't give it credit. It's just, it, it inspired so much stuff that by the time you finally got a John Carter story, the shit bombed harder than Hiroshima. Like the movie flat out failed. And it's the granddaddy of science fiction. Macross is like that to me. It is the granddaddy of this genre, this, this love triangle, this mecha genre, science fiction in anime. And a lot of people don't even know it exists. And if they do, they're like, oh my God, it's from the eighties. And they don't give it its due. But this series has affected everything you love without you even knowing it. If you ever loved an action anime or a science fiction anime or a giant robot anime or a love story anime or any of those kinds of things, I guarantee you somebody that worked on that was a Macross fan. It just guarantee it. Well, who knows? Maybe they even worked on it. <laughs> right, for sure. Um, so again, and I think that laid, that that's from the character depth. These characters grow and evolve. Hikaru is an idiot at the beginning of the series. And by the end, yeah, he's an idiot, but he's an idiot that has grown up as an adult. He's made choices. He's found love and made a decision. Finally, motherfucker. That's what I put too. Like in Can't... one of the episodes, one of the ending ones, I was like, oh, he's grown so much. And that was he kind of, has. That was yeah. the only thing, that was the only thing that I could put for the episode. And it was the, <laughs> it was like 27. Yeah. Right. 20. Yeah. Episode 27 is, was initially intended to be the end. That was the, the giant, the big battle against the bulldozer fleet. And he, Hikaru was awesome in that. Like that's when I finally liked him. I liked everybody else in this series except him. I'm like, fuck this kid. And then finally, like by that point, I'm like, you know what? He's got it. He's going to be all right. Didn't it, it had like the monster robot in that episode, right? Where it was like the, the city's like this big and the monsters like the robots like this big. He's about to fight. I think, isn't that the one? Couldn't remember. So, I, had to, I had to pause one of them and go. The one thing that those ratios are right. <laughs> the one thing that this an, that this this anime does is it it lets you understand how puny you are. Uh, humans are tiny to the Zentrons. Zentrons are fifty feet. Zentradi ships are like a couple miles long because they house all these characters. And then their master ship, the Bulldozer Master Fleet thing, that song bitch is like the size of a small moon. It's ridiculous. It's a Death Star. It's no moon. <laughs> and and it's yeah, it's, it's so big that a ship with a small city in it can fly into it because <laughs> it's and just it's that still big. An insignificant size. Right, yeah. insignificant size. So yes, you're right. Two it, things, this... two things I, gotta, I gotta make points about. Yeah, yeah, come first, on. First thing is this, is this Vic, we actually have one where uh, 
I think what this was the first time we actually see use of orbital beam cannons. <laughs> when they first target the Earth, yeah, yeah like, oh shit, this is orbital beam cannon. This is where they got it from. Is it? But then they turned the Earth into a reverse orbital beam cannon. <laughs> I was like, come on, it was a terrestrial <laughs> beam cannon. Yes, the, huh? the Grand Cannon. Yes, it was. I a, a, just another case of of them just humans just figuring out ways to fuck shit up despite getting their asses kicked. And the second thing was mm-hmm. we talked about uh, music and how it's so integral into this. Yeah, I promise you, if the Men May character was based off of Brian James, this guy right here. There is no fucking way I will be singing on the bridge as we are doing ramming speed. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just With trying to figure Brian in a dress with blue hair. Yeah, yeah. There's no fucking way. <laughs> as we're so singing scary. Valhalla's. In, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, not going to be singing Valhalla's Embrace. <laughs> <laughs> She was, she, was, she was like she had all the time in the world dancing around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She went and got she put on. Her, you know what? I'm going to wear my special dress. <laughs> I bet you she went and shaved her legs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she, she said, "I'm going to do this shit." You're not. You're not wrong, right? But I think that that's that's the point, right? The yeah. point was to be as shocking as possible. So the Zentradi are absolutely aghast. So you get an adorable girl to come out and sing love songs, looking beautiful, like no military attire, no nothing. And they're just, of course, they're going to be like, what the? These guys are crazy. These humans are insane. Like, it's like they sing, they dance, you just stand out in the open while they're shooting at them. Who does what that? the hell? What kind of armor is this? What the? These guys are nuts. And then, of course, we kicked, you know, we didn't kick their ass, but we survived yeah. because that's what we do. We, we didn't away. lose. <laughs> <laughs> we beat them up and limped away. I, I, I'm telling you now, I am not going to be doing that. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, then, we, we, you know, hopefully right, <laughs> we find a singer with, with a little more balls than you. Um, I dare say there is nobody on the earth. I have no idea. She had to have been on some really good drugs. Right? <laughs> I, Maybe I, Vikings I, back in the day. Maybe you <laughs> can find yourself a Viking. <laughs> Lo and behold, I see my fault. I yeah, give them maybe a Viking. I it's a little Valkyrie. Yeah. So this series, uh, what's interesting about this is the music, right? So the music in Macross, Super Dimension Fortress Macross, is absolutely one hundred percent different than the music in Robotech. Oh, for sure. The music in Robotech was all new music. They they took the voice actress, um, uh, Miss Fordstad. Forstat, I'm mispronouncing it. And they tried to teach her to sing and they wrote songs for her. This was a very bad idea. With Macross, they took a young girl who was a singer and they taught her to voice act, which was the right way to go here. Because her music is excellent in Super Dimension Forge's Mac. It's indicative of its time. Absolutely. It's it's early 80s stuff, 100%, no question about it. But it's good early 80s stuff like the music is it's catchy it's fun it's cute some of it's a little absurd you got a problem with zero G love i have a note about that as well go ahead so i was looking so i have to watch it with the subtitles on right of course well of course one of the songs is called shanghai dandy 
I actually thought it was saying Shanghai Daddy. I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's the name of the song from now on. I don't give a fuck what you say. It was Shanghai Daddy. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Yeah, it's I. This so this uh, series was so tremendously successful that they they did a movie version. Uh, Super Dimension Fortress, Matt Cross, Do You Remember Love? Uh, where they upped the ante on everything, right? Production value went through the roof. You want a budget? Here's your budget. Like, they they did it all. Um, and the music in that has uh, the title song, Do You Remember Love? To this day, still one of my favorite songs on the planet. Was my top choice in our music episode. I listen to the music from this series all the time. Uh, no shame in it. I don't care. I just remembered another, another note I put. What? And, uh... So Lemon Maid, we're watching episode 27. And sure. this is the big climax, right? Yep. So what's happened is that uh, Hikaru yep. went to Lemon Maid said, I don't know if I ever get a chance to tell you this, but I love you. Right. Right. Give her a great salute. Loved. I love. Loved. Oh, I love you. Loved you. Give, give, yeah. Because he's, he's like, I'm dead. He just knows, like, this is it. I'm probably going to die. I loved you. Right. So he goes, she comes after him. Yeah. Right? And leaving the fiance. Huh? For a boyfriend thing. The the guy. Yeah, leaving the fiance. Her cousin. Her cousin Kaifun. Her Kaifun's her cousin. Yeah, and fuck him. Kaifun sucks. They kiss? I I ain't saying shit. I'm just telling you, he's her cousin. (laughs) Kaifun was a different time. It was a different era. they were like fiance now i feel typhoon is her cousin by marriage maybe i don't know but he's her cousin so yes typhoon is her cousin which makes it all the more cringeworthy and they you know what i'll give them credit in robotech they didn't even change that shit they left him as her cousin so good for them he leaves her well she leaves not goes after him just for them to be there in in uh in time for the zentrali to do their first their orbital bombardment Right. Yep. Right. World gets uh demolished, and I was like, "Oh, the first thing she does, she starts singing." I was like, "The world just got blown up, and here comes a mid-made mixtape." Oh my! Now the time for her to start singing. This right. this series, it uh, I, I want to, I don't want to make it sound like like this, but I have to say it anyway. It does. It has a very militaristic militarism sort of vibe on it and theme right because everybody you know it's all military but for me that was a draw as a kid in a military family I was watching this series and and seeing these other characters living in the same sort of like they're on a base and there's like space navy oh my god just awesome navy. right exactly you know, like they got a fucking aircraft carrier for an arm and they punch another ship with a fucking aircraft carrier like i was into it but a lot of that is a lot of that is it kind of rooted and I, I don't want me to speak out of turn. Somebody can correct me, but it's kind of like Japanese culture to do what you're expected in you know like the militarism version of it. Like you're you do your duty, and and for me, Minmei singing like that's it's her duty, right? It's she kind of talks about it a couple times how if she didn't sing, she didn't know what she would do. Like it's, it was her calling. It was what she had to do. And so in times of crisis and times of anything going on, the only thing she knew how to do, and it was her duty to do was to sing. Well, they actually, they addressed, they, they kind of addressed that. Yeah. In, uh, in a uh, 36. Right. 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 Yeah, absolutely. He's in. So he the, yeah. Again, 
Battleship comes, starts yeah. bombarding. They're in the middle of a love triangle. Yeah, Kanji's lost his fucking mind. He's like, I'm gonna plow into this bitch. Yeah. So, right. and, and they have to say, listen, we gotta go because this is what we know how to do. You know how to sing, but this is what Misa tells Minmay this. You know how to sing, and I'll never be able to do that, but I can protect your culture that you make. That's my gift. And yeah. that's his gift, too. And then it, somehow it shakes, shakes a Hikaru out of his, uh, I'm, I'm never going to be with him that. Right. But yeah, I don't it, know. It about, wakes him up. Yeah, like they didn't say, he didn't shake out of it to go be with her. He shaked out of it for the fact that she even recognized this was his duty. Yeah. This was his gift. Yeah, and I, I think that that's, again, how mature is that for a fucking cartoon in the 80s to to handle themes like this? Like, you know, I, love stories notwithstanding, it is a love story. But to handle this breakup in, in such a way that Minmay has matured as a woman to the point where she she gets it and the light bulb goes off and she understands that her her mission in life her calling this is it's to do this it's to to be an icon of culture into an ambassador of, of humanity so to speak and and to understand and respect the fact that hikaru's never gonna be the doting husband waiting at home for you no that his his job is in the cockpit of a valkyrie and that's all that's what it's always going to be i i loved that i loved that about it. it it's i don't know it's just even as a kid the idea of finding your calling and knowing what your purpose in life was I, to me that's always been sort of a big thing and and to see that portrayed in such a way with handled with uh, i want to say a level of maturity that i'd never seen before in a cartoon you know when i knew that he was going to choose uh misa so let's say there's an equation. Everybody has an equation for love. Sure. Right. So Hikaru says, goes to Minmei while she's already in a relationship with somebody else. Goes and says, hey, just want to let you know I love you. Right. Just for Misa to do the same thing for him. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, but I loved how Minmei handled that she she tried to keep him with her yeah but she didn't fight she didn't right. fight knowing that she was gonna lose she's like you know you guys you're, i'm not gonna win this right. so i'm gonna gracefully bow that's respect no seriously um a lot of people who watch this series they they harp on minmay a lot saying that she's an annoying character that she was whiny that she was a lot of things but I would like to say that she was at first, but like all characters in the series, she grew into a very mature woman by the end who made the right decision despite, you know, the situation she was in. And that goes for all these characters. All these characters grow in such a way that, seriously, compare it to G.I. Joe. Because again, it's the closest thing to a military cartoon we had uh, based on an American storyline. And Duke in episode one is fucking Duke in episode 132. He's the same son bitch the whole show. You know who have more growth? Cobra. Yeah. I mean, arguably, Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes had a heavier storyline than any of the main characters right. in G.I. Joe. But even that is this long unresolved, because it's all this serialized bullshit. That was, that was what made 
Macross so different is that if you missed an episode, you missed the story. Right. If you you were missing a chunk of time, you couldn't just jump into episode 27 and know what the fuck was going on. You needed these other episodes before it, or you were missing out. With G.I. Joe, you could pick an episode. Pick one. Watch it. You're not going to miss shit. It was like a self-contained story, and we didn't... That's all we got at that time. Right. And and not only that, they... There was no grand lesson you learned at the end of every episode, the way you do it in G.I. Joe. Right. Or G.I. Joe, or He-Man, or Fat Albert. Like, hey, I'm not supposed to judge this guy's skin color. But no, no, no. It's... You're going to (laughs) die. There was no... (laughs) There was no morality lesson that came back to us. And, and, and yeah, and man, it's so the war aspect of this story is, is a lot of heavy in it, 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 a lot of weight to it. And I, I respect that they did that. I respect that they, they killed characters with, with abandon. They are like, we're going to kill Foker. We're going to kill a main fucking character, a character. And it's going to, it's going to fuck people up, but it's important because it's, it's part of Hikaru's growth. And then the very next fucking episode, we're going to kill one of his best friends. We're going to kill Hayao. Kakizaki going to die. And he doesn't even get to hang out with his loved ones. Motherfucker just going to be incinerated. One, two punch. He did not have any luck in any appearance he had. (laughs) Who? Who's that one? Uh, Ben Ben Dixon from Robotech. So Hayao Kakizaki. In In episode 18, Roy Foker gets shot down. He dies with Claudia, a woman he loves. In the very next episode, the very next episode, Hayao Kakizaki, Max, uh, and, and Hikaru are out to have dinner, and and Hayao orders a steak, and he's like, I'm going to eat this steak, because he's a big fun. I love him. So he can't eat his steak because he's got shit to do. So he takes they take off because they have to scramble. Motherfucker dies in battle. It's Hikaru's first time flying out as Skull 1. He is Skull Leader, and he loses a man on his first mission. Not just a man. He loses somebody he's close to on his first mission in charge. It's Hayao just gets incinerated. The, the, the barrier system overloads. It expands. It, it just decimates Quebec and fucking kills Kakizaki at the same time. Two episodes in a row, a main character I'd been watching got killed. At that point, as a kid in grade school, I'm like, all bets are off. Fucking anybody can die. I don't know who the hell is going to make this. Nobody's safe. Nobody's <laughs> safe. It was like it was Game it was of Thrones like, before Game of Thrones. Game exactly. Of Thrones. It was Game of, they, Game Game of Thrones did before anybody else did. Literally, you're on the edge of your seat the rest of the series because you're like, motherfucker, anybody can die. And then the big battle in episode 27 happens. You're like, I'm, they're all fucking dead. Like, there's just no way. Yeah, like a soldier with a little kid. That, yeah, like, that one hit me. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> What, the mother with the little kid that got burned? Yeah, uh, the oh, right. kid that was just giving the soldier a flower. Like, the, the yeah, soldier's yeah. on his knee, and he's like, hey, and how old are you? Like, just... And, they, and the soldier's just like, oh, well, <laughs> we're, we're going to die, but I'm going to do my best. And, like, just covered the kid. Yeah, that's what I was like. They are, they are really cavalier about the burning kids. I mean, they, they didn't but care. But you know where that comes not, from. Age was not taken into consideration. You could be yeah. 80 years old. You could be two years old. They bombed that 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 planet. Like, you were done. Think about it. That's where it came from. You can live. You have the right yeah. to die. Exactly. Right? If you think about it, that's where it came from. Hiroshima. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that level of destruction... Uh, the only culture to have ever ex- experienced uh, destruction at that, cal- that mass... 
that amount was just Japan. They have an insight into mass death that no other country will ever know, thanks to good old U.S. of fucking A. But be shot first. <laughs> shot first. So that absolutely is a part of that, right? Like that's just. If anything, this this anime is a love story. I know we've run long. I don't care. It's Macross. I'll talk about it forever. The the story is a love story, but it's also a war story, right? It's also an I would argue an anti-war story, right? It's all about how you don't need big guns to save the day. All you need is love. Cue the Beatles song. Okay, so all right, you you all right? Did they model Max after John Lennon? Dude, I don't give a shit who they modeled Max after. That motherfucker could have a mohawk. He's still a badass. Uh- <laughs> I felt like it wasn't teams that beat him. I was like, that's who it is. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they modeled him after John Lennon and, and imagine all the people. I mean, <laughs> they went for it. I, I, they, he was definitely, what's funny is this is also one of the, the few anime or animation cartoons when you're a kid that had a very diverse cast. It had the first interracial relationship I'd ever seen in yep. Max and Claudia. That's a huge Roy deal. And Roy and Claudia, sorry, thank you. And the first interspecies relationship with Max and Mylene. Uh, or, uh, no, 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 we didn't have that. We had Captain Kirk. <laughs> Fair <laughs> point. But he didn't marry any of them. So uh, it's this series had a lot a lot going on. So Max and Miria and, and of course, uh, Roy and Claudia, Roy and Claudia, the first interracial relationship. I was blown away by that. Not just that it was an interracial relationship, but an interracial relationship with his superior officer. Claudia, I'm pretty sure outranked him. And <laughs> she was, so he was dating a, a black woman above his station. Roy, Roy had it, man. Roy was I. I really love the, I really love the, care they put into Claudia's character. Absolutely. Fucking A. She's gorgeous. She she deserves it. And speaking of gorgeous, not to dismiss it, the character designs are done by Haruhiko Mikimoto, who is, when you're in animation, there are, so you have, let me back up. When you're a fan of something, right? You have rock stars. You're a fan of Van Halen. You're a fan of, of Guns N' Roses, whoever it is. Those guys are your rock stars, right? It's like Axl Rose, Eddie Van Halen. These guys are, you see these people, you're, you just melt because they're your rock stars. To anime fans, to animation nerds like me, Haruhiki Mikimoto is my rock star. He's the guy that if I meet, I'm going to fucking melt into a blubbering mess. The guy's a god to me. And, and his work on this is impeccable because his character designs are so good they in this. Phenomenal. Max is fantastic he yeah you said it he's got like a lennon vibe he's got that shoulder length hair and this like ne'er-do-well attitude and 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 claudia's gorgeous but it's it's important because the reason why that is so important because take something like naruto you Mm. know their definition of what it means to be colored is so off it feels off about it or Mm. even something where uh they do sometimes they make the features really really exaggerated i don't even want to use exaggerated it feels almost sinister Mm. if you will like when you look at uh dragon ball and popopo or wherever the guy the big black guy oh my god dude seriously come on right 
you couldn't do a little bit better. <laughs> he, he had to be black. Seriously, he looks like this fucking dude right here. Uh, uh, what's what's his name? Craig. He looks like Craig, but dark, big <laughs> eyes, and then they put pink lips on him. Yeah, he, he's blackface. He's he's yeah, he's, he's terrible. He's, he's caricature of yeah. It's the caricature. But Claudia, yeah. they really made her desirable. And she was and she was um I don't want to say like a proud black woman. She was she was proud. Her character was was very well written, but she wasn't a stereotype in any manner. And that I loved that about her. Like Roadblock in G.I. Joe is a fucking stereotype. I'm sorry. He's a caricature of a southern black man talking and jive and all that shit. Like he's is racist as shit. But Claudia's not. Claudia's yeah. none of those things. Claudia's a strong commanding black officer in the military in 1984. I'd never seen that before. Who had no fear to smack you upside the head verbally. Like Right. Right, and just put you in your place. Absolutely. Yeah. Honestly, for and, and me, it felt it, like she did it in such a way where it just cut you. That's like no emotion. Like you're not doing your job. Boom! Yeah. You felt you felt this big. Yeah. At the end of it, she, if she had to lay into you, that was she was awesome. I I, I loved her character. Honestly, it felt like they empowered a whole bridge of uh, Lieutenant Uhuras. You know, <laughs> shout sure. out, shout out to Michelle uh, Nicholas. She passed. Shout out. Yep. So they empowered a whole bridge of Lieutenant Uhuru's, and they were like, "Do it, get them." Yeah, and, and she's oh, man, and that's I mean that's a testament to the character development in this series, right? They made real characters with real character flaws that. That over the course of 36 episodes, you know, they, they all grew. And I know in the episode watch list that we came up with, there, there, her episode wasn't in it, but there's an episode during the Reconstruction series between 27 and 36 where it's Claudia having tea with Misa and talking to her about how she met Roy. And it's so good. It's just a great character piece of an episode. There's, I don't even know if there's a fight in it because if there was, I didn't realize it. She just spends the whole time talking to Misa, who's lamenting her her relationship with Hikaru and he, she's talking to her about how she met Roy and and how their relationship worked and it's so good it's so intimate and it's it's this is why I love this series because it 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 brings me in to its world and and I that's that's why it's my favorite cuz I'll watch any episode, episode 33 what's that it's episode 33 thank you episode 33 and it's so good. If you didn't get a chance to watch it during this this watch, it, it's worth checking out because it it's a bit of flashback to before they get together and how she learned to love Roy despite him being an aloof pilot because of you know just the nature of their relationship. And it's it's good shit. I recommend this series. I'm gonna wrap it up. We've run pretty long here. It's gonna be a long one, guys. Uh, I'm gonna wrap it up. It's. I absolutely recommend this series to anybody who's willing to give it a shot. The animation is inconsistent. That's not a that's a product of its time, but it is a story-driven character piece about love and and you can't argue with that. And it's it's filled with just incredibly well-done action sequences with just amazingly just, I didn't even get to touch on 
how well designed the VF1 Valkyrie is. It's a masterpiece in mecha design. And everything about this series from start to end to me is absolutely worth your time. I don't care how old it is. Uh, that's my two cents. This series is my top of the line for me. And now we talked about before how Gunbuster was like our benchmark for excellence. And Gunbuster still is, without a doubt. But Gunbuster is an OVA. Gunbuster had six episodes and a massive budget. Macross managed to do intimate character pieces over the course of a 36-episode children's series that aired on television. So credit where credit's due. Haruhiko Mikimoto, the character designer from that, ended up working uh, over at Gainax and doing uh, Gunbuster, so the character designs are consistent if that's your jam. This series is, it's its my line in the sand. This is how I, I determine if something's worth watching, is, is how does it compare to Macross? And every anime I've ever watched, I compare it to Macross in every subsequent series. I know, I, before I turn it over to, uh, let's go with Lynette. Lynette, you had never experienced the series before. Um, give us your final thoughts on it. I enjoyed it. I really, um, I don't watch very many mecha. You know, I have like two or three just sitting in my, yeah, I know. I'm one of the very few anime people who are like, mm, I don't know, robots are kind of mimic. But this one, this one actually drew me in. I was like, oh, okay. Robots are like the co-star. Okay, we, I can do that. You know, I, I, I enjoyed the fact that they, they didn't make it like the Voltrons. They didn't make it like the Power Ranger robots. They didn't make it like any other type of, or, or Transformers, or any of the typical robots, right? Had a, they had a plane that could land like it was a bird and then stand up and scratch its butt. I mean, I didn't know that you could <laughs> I didn't, I didn't so, know that that was possible. So that was, that's one of the distinguishing features of, of Macross. And I will jump back onto the series and watch it from the beginning because I'm very curious now. But I would have to say a conversion here. I'm going to have to watch it because I have to figure it out. But it's, yeah. Yeah, but like I said, it's, it's the first one where I saw it where I'm like, okay, I like these robots. Usually I'm just like, mm, I don't know about robots. <laughs> I will say that one of, the, one of the things about this series that I do tell people uh, when anybody will listen to me talk at length about it is that Macross would still be a great show even if there were no robots, right? Mm -hmm. They could just be flying those planes and the planes couldn't, they would just not transform and it would still be just as good of a series because the robots aren't the reason for the series they are like you said they're just they're, it's just the vehicle it's yeah. just the co-star it's something they ride in which happens to be cool uh but that's not the story uh whereas gundam the mech is the fucking story right like every gundam is like every episode is like oh they have a new type of gundam oh no the xenon it's like it's all about the next big machine yeah. and in macross it's not the machines are secondary absolutely to the overall story you know, I gotta agree with that. I have to agree with that. Yeah. Like, it was one of the first times that I was full on a Mac. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. um... It, like, it's, I, I mean, robots have just been overdone. Sorry. Sorry, but they sure, have. Absolutely. Like, everywhere well, you look, it's like everything's transforming into something. Everything's let's take, let's go back to... Robot. Let's go back to how we were talking about Gunbuster, right? Yeah. We didn't really see Gunbuster in action until... Like the fourth what, episode. Like episode three? Four. Or episode four. four. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. episode four. We had not seen Gunbuster in action to episode four. Right. So we were still excited to see it, but because they gave us them as the vehicle, we were able to focus on the character. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Huh. And it, it's something that, that no other mecha series has done that I can think of. You know, people can comment and let me know, but it's to me, it's definitely the first where it's the, oh. the mecha is, is just an accessory. So, Brian, I'm going to hand it over to you. What's oh, you, you want to hand it over to me? I'm handing it over to you, man. Give me your, your thoughts on this, Macross. Having revisited it after 40 years of this existing, how, how do you feel about it? How's it holding up? Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I have a confession. I have never seen Macross. I, I'm not surprised because you probably watch Robotech, right? No. You saw Robotech? No. What? Brian, I feel like the very fabric of our relationship is based on a lie. Like, no, no. no, no. <laughs> I, look, you I told you how I got games with us and you couldn't. Come on. No, no, I told you how I got there. This is I true. Got you there. got there through the RPGs. Through the RPGs. And that's where my love for it came. I remember the, one of the first conversations we had once we got back in touch with each other. And then you guys were talking about. Uh, the whole Macross and Robotech. Yeah. Because you guys were going out to someplace for a Macross convention. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. I asked the same question that Lynette asked, and it was not the same response that you gave her. <laughs> <laughs> the response they gave me was, yes, you will get cut if you walk into that bitch. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people that are Macross fans are very passionately, uh, they're very passionately hate Robotech. I am not one of those people. Uh, but most, a lot of the fans are, and that's because of all the harmony, gold hijinks and stuff. And well, I think what people fail to do as fans is they fail to distance the product from the company that owns the license. Harmony Gold is a shit company run by horrible people who've done horrible things all to try and make some money and to hang on desperately to the only piece of, of inter- intellectual property that's ever made them a penny. And that is sucks and they su- and fuck them for it. But Macross Robotech is not them. It is it is the thing that they were coveting. It's like it's like the Nazis in the Ark, right? The, fuck the Nazis, but the Ark wasn't an instrument of evil. There's just fucked up evil people, right? It was you know. So you, it's a separate thing. So, so go ahead. Sorry. So that being said, um, there are so many things I connected with with it. Um, I could find myself watching this, even, even realizing that this is really a period piece. Yeah, you know, uh, it's hard for me to get to the point to the fact where we're saying it's two thousand nine and we don't have Vertex. I'm a little salty <laughs> about that. I'm a little salty, but I do. I, there are so many things. I, I I fell in love with Roy's character. Like, seriously, I sent a message in our group chat today where it's an episode 18, you motherfuckers, because this is my <laughs> first time realizing that Roy died. <laughs> you know, it took me a bit, too, because they didn't cover his face. Usually, yeah. if they're dead, they cover the face. So I was right. like, oh, maybe he's in a coma. That, that he could be in a coma. I don't know. But then then they like they pan out and it's dark and she's crying. I was like, yeah. oh crap, he's dead. 
Yeah. I was like, that can't be. No, wait. I had to rewind. I was like, no, they didn't cover the head. Usually they cover the head. Y'all sh- That's like the universal signal. <laughs> you you should have gave him this 19. <laughs> if, if, if you had given us 19, we would have been like, fuck eight episodes. We're watching all these bitches. <laughs> yeah. Well, I. <laughs> Episode 19 is important. Yes. But. Uh, you know, I knew we had a limited amount of time, so the the eight episodes I gave you, I feel like that covered the birth of the story, the wide, you know what I mean? Like how Yao Kakizaki's death sucks, but it's not the it's not the most gut wrenching thing. The most gut wrenching thing is he just lost his big brother, and and now he's lost his friend, and it's so that sucks. But it's the loss of Roy that really just pivots Hikaru into a different way. So. When the I, episodes so, I would have to say are the Jessica Rabbit song in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like, if the <laughs> only scene that you saw was Jessica Rabbit singing, yeah, but you'd be like, I have to watch this this movie. This is what you just did. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave us Jessica Rabbit's leg and was like, yeah. all right, now what I'm going to do. <laughs> right. I, absolutely. I see it. Yes. So my my biggest thing was... All right, so I'm a Star Wars head. Along with being an anime nerd, when we do our Star Wars podcast, I'm signing up for that bitch as well. <laughs> so, um, but I'm talking about old school read the book Star Wars. Sure, absolutely. You right. So one of my biggest books is when Chewbacca dies. Oh books. fuck that story, man! Right. It was the first time that I was ever exposed you guys just to destroy my entire love of. No, it, he, he, I don't have, I don't, I don't even claim to have any knowledge about Star Wars, but the only thing that I loved about it was Chewbacca. And you just told me that he died. So in the EU, he, like dies, he dies and he dies fucking like, like, like a badass because he's a badass. Chewbacca's he's a badass. A badass. Right? Oh, so he went out, he went out. Oh, he went out like fucking glory. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Like, exactly. We are gonna yeah, dive with this. We'll save it. We gotta save it for the Star Wars podcast here. Uh, but but yes, that being he does. said, Roy gave me that same feeling as Chewbacca died when it was the first time a main character, and it was something about when it happened in Star Wars was like, you know what? Seriously, nobody's safe. You know, and yeah. I love the little bit of fear that it gave me when that happened because that means that I'm emotionally invested yeah. into it. So I, I, I stand by that. Yep. I agree. It's, uh, I'm glad you finally got to watch some of it. I hope you, you watch the rest of it. Cause it's, uh, this whole series is just so good. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I may not be invited back to the podcast because of that statement. <laughs> 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 Uh, Vic, Vic, uh, we'll turn it over to you now, buddy. Uh, we have run over an hour and a half on this so far. Uh, what is, what are your final thoughts on Macross 40 years later? As I sit here holding my DVD collector's edition of Do You Remember Love? <laughs> um, pretty much, even if you've only watched Do You Remember Love and you had no interest in watching the original series, you should watch the original series. I mean, it covers so much that wasn't in the movie, a lot of backstory. Even the very beginning, do you remember the movie starts off in space? So you already missed the first three episodes. So for anyone that enjoys the movies, enjoys the follow-ups, any of them, two plus seven, 
uh, Frontier or Delta, you owe it to yourself to at least watch the originals. If you don't want to watch the Robotech-branded ones from Harmony Gold, which, again, screw Harmony Gold, um, definitely at least watch the Macross ones. Uh, it's worth the time, it's worth the effort, and the fact that, you know, it came out in 83, it's like a lot of these subjects were not anywhere near cartoon ready for us in the u.s here yeah and so the fact that you know some cartoons are finally you know in over like the past 10 15 years maybe have started crossing over into some of the type the types of uh themes and tropes that macross sure. carried mature themes. yeah yeah mature, yeah mature themes it's like a lot of that wasn't available and wasn't even thought of and you know animation that was available to us at the time it's still one of my most favorite series overall and uh yeah big west will continue to get my money so you you're not going to tell them about the uh macross underwear you wore today <laughs> you promised you wouldn't tell anyone if they sold it i'd fucking buy it all right so <laughs> <laughs> Mid-made thongs. Let's get them. <laughs> so yeah, I I highly encourage you. Here on this episode's release date is the 40th anniversary of Super Dimension Fortress Macross. October 3rd, this episode will have dropped. If you're listening to it now, um, you have to find it, which is the real battle as a fan at this point. I guess YouTube might have some of it. Um but uh, if you can hunt down the older ADV and Animago DVD sets, that's one way you can possibly watch this series. Uh, probably the only way. A fantastic point of note is uh, is that the ADV release of Macross had an English dub. And the English dub is dubbed by the very same voice actress who did it in Japanese. So uh, Marie Jima voiced Lin Min Mei in both English and in Japanese. Uh, so probably one of the few occasions in anime history where that's ever occurred. If you can find it, it's worth watching. Uh, if anybody else has anything to add, now's the time. But I think I think that it's going to wrap for Macross. <laughs> All right, folks. So until next time, keep calm and punch them in the face with a fucking battleship. Yes. Yes. You've just been privy to the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd, presented by Geek Grotto. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Geek Grotto. For show notes and corrections, or for general geeky fun, you can visit our website at geek-grotto.com. If you would like to sponsor the show, you can do so on the podcast's Red Circle host site, redcircle.com slash shows slash M-M-M-A-N. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, please like, follow, and subscribe. <laughs>